0: Thank you for listening to the One City Church Podcast. We hope this resource inspires you and equips you to walk in everything that God has for you. Well, as I mentioned to you, Holy Spirit has been speaking to me and I'd like to somewhat pick up where we left off last Sunday. When I preached, I can't take it anymore. As you remember, the mental health uh, community has been warning us and has been telling us that there is a mental health crisis in our nation because of the COVID-19. One doctor said, our society is definitely in a collective state of trauma. 56% of Americans report worry and stress of COVID has led to negative mental health. 56% 56% of Americans report trouble with sleeping, alcohol, temper, and health problems. 64% of health care workers report worsened mental health. Our health care workers that are on the front line treating the COVID-19 patients are dealing with mental health issues. The well-being trust estimates the pandemic could lead to 75,000 additional deaths of despair from drug alcohol abuse and suicide. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 8 tells us, "We as Christians are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair." As you know the word perplexed there in the Greek means to see no way out and it is hard at times to see an end to the present crisis that we are in as a, a nation. The word despair there means to be at loss with no hope. Despair, to be at a loss with no hope. Last Sunday I read to you out of Psalms 88:15, where he said I can't take it anymore and there are people in our in our nation that are saying that very thing that i just can't take it anymore we've said before that it would be nice to get out of town and just get away from the COVID 19 and all the other issues that we're dealing with as a nation but where can you go you can't go anywhere where these issues aren't there and so in some ways you do feel trapped and then we deal with the safe distancing and the quarantine or the Uh, you know, avoiding large crowds and and so forth. Online church. And so people are beginning to get on edge and cry out, I can't take it anymore. And so my whole point from last Sunday was stop taking it. Stop taking the issues that we're, we're dealing with as a nation and internalizing it. Stop bearing that burden. Stop bearing the COVID-19, the presidential election, the rioting in our streets, the fires on the West Coast and the hurricane that was on the East Coast. Stop internalizing these issues. We have to be very careful that we as Christians that do care, and we do carry the burden of the Lord for our nation, we have to be careful that we don't internalize those issues. The Bible makes it clear that we need to cast our care upon him because he cares for us. But yet the scriptures do tell us that we as a righteous, we bear the burden of the Lord. We do care about our community, about our church family, about our nation. We are interceding for this time that we're living in. And so we do bear this burden, but we have to learn to roll it off on him because his yoke is easy. His burden is light, but we do carry this. But Holy Spirit began to speak to me just a few days ago. He began to deal with my heart. And he said to me, there are streams of joy. There are streams of joy that are making their way to God's people. If you have your Bibles there with you, why don't you go with me to Psalms chapter 46. And let's pick up verses 1 through 4. Psalms 46 verse one god is our refuge and our strength an ever-present help in trouble and that one you really need to latch on to he is an ever present help in trouble jesus said in this life you're going to have trouble but he says i'm with you i'll never leave you i'll never forsake you and as i mentioned last sunday whatever whenever it comes your way God is going to help you to deal with it. You are an overcomer. But God is an ever-present help in trouble. Verse 2, therefore, based on that, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Verse 4, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy place where the most high dwells. Let's title this streams that make glad. Father, bless the reading of your word. We declare this in Jesus name. Amen. Verse four said, whose streams make glad. Whose streams make glad. Let me speak to you for just a moment about the language of joy. In Isaiah chapter 35 and verse 10, we read, And the ransomed of the Lord shall return, and they will come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Now, the word Zion there in the Hebrew, it speaks of the mountain of Jerusalem, it speaks of the mountain of the Lord the city of David. Mountains uh, is another term that is sometimes used for governments and or nations. Mount Zion does represent the kingdom of God. So it's the mountain of Jerusalem, the, the mountain of the Lord, the city of David. It speaks of government, it speaks of nations, it speaks of the kingdom of God. But I want you to look back at Isaiah thirty five ten. If you would, guys, put that back on the screen. And there are three things that I want to pull out real quick and just highlight to you. Isaiah 3510. The first thing there is notice number one, the ransomed of the Lord shall return. This is referring to the road back, to the road back. I've said it. You have said it. I will be so glad when we get back to normal, whatever normal is going to look like. But I'm ready to get back. I'm ready to get back to corporate worship I'm ready to get back to uh, some type of a normality in our community and in our nation. But how do you get back there? But there is a road back. There's a road back for you and I, the ransom of the Lord. Number one, talking about our mental and emotional and our spiritual state, the road back. Number one, I want you to reflect on what God has done for you. I want you to reflect on God's goodness, how good and faithful God is has been to you we're talking about getting back to a place of joy a place of happiness how do you get back to that place reflect on what God has done for you take moments in your week when you pause and you just reflect on how good God has been to you number two I want you to recognize where you would be had he not saved you now remember Isaiah 35 said the ransom to the Lord they shall come back How do you come back? You come back by reflecting on his goodness. You come back by recognizing where you would be had God not saved you. Where would you be right now? Where would you be had God not saved you? Is it possible instead of watching me online preaching the gospel, you'd be hung over on the couch from a night of drinking and drugging and partying? Think about it. Where would you be had the Lord not saved you? Recognize where where God has brought you from, where you are today. Number three, I want you to return to your first love. During this time of stress and despair and oppression and depression and that feeling of I can't take it anymore, wanting to get back to a place of mental health and, and emotional health and spiritual well-being, how do you get back? What is the road back to that place? It's reflect on God's goodness, recognize where you would be, had God not saved you, and return to your first love. Return to that height of dizziness where the air is thin and and you get dizzy. You're intoxicated on love for him, intoxicated on salvation. You see, gratitude will bring you back to center. Gratitude will center your life again. So many people today feel out of balance. They feel awkward. Life is just not right. And where when will it get right again? When will it get normal again? The way you center yourself mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. How can you center yourself? The road back is to reflect, to recognize, and to return. Isaiah 35. The second thing there in that verse I want you to notice, he said, Come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy on your head. Come back with singing and joy. The second thing I want you to notice there is turn your problem into praise right now in the midst of all that's happening. Turn your problem into praise. Worry empowers your problem over your life where praise empowers God. When you worry about things, you're just empowering those circumstances instead of empowering God worry places your problem under your authority where praise places it under god's authority when we praise him we know that we enthrone him we set him on the throne and when you worry about your situation all you're doing is you're placing it under your authority and you're saying i'll fix this i can do something about this i can handle this but when you praise you're placing it under god's authority you're saying god you've got this When problems come, you need to learn to praise them back to God. Just get them back up to him. Quit taking ownership of your problem, your situation, and your circumstances. Stop taking ownership of it, worrying about it, thinking that you have the power to change it. How are you going to fix COVID-19? Listen, if I could fix it, don't think I would not have already done that. I'm, my temperament being what it is, I want to fix everything. I see something on the news, I want to fix it. And I have to be very careful about taking it as I preached last Sunday and internalizing it and wearing that thing upon me and allowing it to get me down because of all the problems that I see in the world. I have to be very careful with that. So, whenever a problem comes, praise it back to God. Get it up to Him, get it up to His authority because He can handle it where you and I can't. Know that worry is a form of worship. And we must remember that we become what we worship. Worry is a form of worship. And you have to watch that. You have to watch that where you don't worry so much that you become depressed. You're filled with despair and you're beat down because you're worshiping your problem instead of worshiping God. Worry is a form of worship and you become what you worship now in our text here isaiah 35 10 he said look the ransom to the lord is going to return and this is how you do it and they're going to come back and they're going to be singing and there's going to be joy on their head that word singing and the hebrew means a proclamation of joy rejoicing triumphantly yeah they come back singing rejoicing worshiping god Singing and rejoicing will change your attitude. He said it here in Isaiah 35 10. They will come designed with singing and they'll have everlasting joy on their head. Rejoicing praising god it crowns your head with joy it will change your thinking it will change your perspective it will change your attitude when you see the news when you see all that's happening around you you need to take those problems and praise them back to god and say god this is this is above my pay grade this is more than what i can handle so i'm going to praise it back to you i'm going to lift it up to you and when you do that joy will fall down on your head like a crown and it will change your thinking it will change your perspective it will change your attitude he said these people that reflect on God's goodness, that recognize what God did for them, that return to their first love, these people will come back to Zion, to the mountain of the Lord, to the kingdom of God. They will come back with a mental, emotional, spiritual well-being. They've been crowned with joy because they're praising their problems back to God. Isaiah 35, 10 again. Notice the third point in that one verse. Verse. He said, look, when you do this, sorrow and sighing is going to flee away from you. I want you to see here the power of joy. I've never actually considered this before. The power of joy. We understand that as a leader, as a Christian, as a person that's kingdom minded, you're mindful of the kingdom of God, that we are environmental change agents. We should walk into any environment and shift the atmosphere, change the atmosphere. We're not thermometers that read it. We're thermostats that change it. We can change the climate. We can change the atmosphere. Where there is sickness, we bring health. Where there is poverty, we bring prosperity. Where there is depression, we bring joy. We, as the kingdom, the people of God's kingdom, we're environmental change agents and we can shift the atmosphere in any situation. And so we have to understand the power of joy. You need to know that strength is the result of joy. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10 for God's people. Strength is the result of joy. Whenever I begin to be glad in the Lord... When I begin to reflect on God's goodness, recognize where he's brought me from, and I begin to get back to my first love, to my first excitement, the intoxication of salvation and being a Christian. When I begin to uh, uh, praise my problems back up to him, then suddenly I find the strength of joy. It's It's the joy that gives me the strength to keep pressing on. You need to know, that displacement is the result of joy. We read it here in Isaiah 35 and 10. When I walk into a situation with joy, joy pushes out sorrow and sighing. It pushes it out. Whenever I come into a situation with the joy of the Lord, we're not talking about happiness, which is circumstantial. That's what the world has. We're talking about joy. Joy is an internal it's an, it's an internal situation. It is a spiritual condition. It is a recognition of who God is, what he's done for me. It is a gladness within my salvation. I am glad. I am glad. And who I am in Christ Jesus. And that is something that is not circumstantial. That is something the world did not give and the world cannot take it away. And so when I come in with joy, I'm able to push out sighing. I'm able to push out sorrow. It will flee from my presence. That is the power of joy. The third thing I want you to see here under the power of joy is confusion is the result of joy. We see this in Second Chronicles chapter 20. Confusion for the enemy. Joy will confuse him. You need to know that. You need to understand that. Whenever Israel went out to battle to fight what I call the Dead Sea Army, they put the choir up front praising God and worshiping God. The Bible says it confused the enemy. God released the ambush angels and they ambushed the enemy. And when the army got to that place, they found them all. uh, They found the enemy defeated and they had scattered and they found the riches of the, the enemy's army. God brought in the ambush angels to fight their battle. That's because Jehoshaphat understood the power of praise. He put the choir up front and the joy of the Lord brought confusion to the enemy. Now, I just want you to realize that joy, gladness of salvation will confuse your enemy. He doesn't understand it. You see, the power of joy can transform your experience not your circumstances. It will transform your experience though, and it will defeat your enemy. You may not be able to change all of your circumstances, but you can change your experience in the midst of those circumstances. You can change the way you feel, the way you think, the way other people feel, the way other people think. Your joy, the power of joy can be transformative. It can transform you where like Jesus in the midst of your storm, you can be asleep in the bow of the boat, though the storm is raging. You can have an eternal peace that is not circumstantial to your situation that is surrounding you. Joy, joy, the power of joy can transform your experience where we as God's people can go through the COVID-19. We can go through a presidential election. We can go through rioting in the streets. We can go through the fires out west, the hurricanes on the east. We can go through it and yet still rise above it. And not, and not fall prey to the spirit of despair because of the joy of the Lord. That is our strength that displaces the sorrow and that confuses our enemy where he doesn't know how to handle us. He doesn't know what to do with joy. Now, let's talk about this just a little bit more about the language of joy and what that does to the enemy. Psalms 35 and verse 9 says, And my soul shall be joyful in the Lord, it shall rejoice in his salvation. Rejoice in his salvation. The word rejoicing there means to be bright or to be glad. To be bright. Your countenance is lifted, your attitude is lifted. You have a different perspective than most people. You see things different, you hear things different. You're glad. Because you know who you are in Christ Jesus. You know what God has done for you. You know where you would be had God not saved you. You have given him your first love, your heart, and you're glad. The enemy doesn't know what to do with that. You see, the enemy does not speak nor understand the language of joy. The enemy does not speak nor does he understand the language of joy. Rejoicing. Rejoicing is the language of joy. When we rejoice, when we're glad, we reflect on God's goodness, we recognize what he's done for us, and we return and we maintain our first first love. The enemy doesn't understand that attitude of rejoicing. Where we, in the midst of our troubles, like the three Hebrew, Hebrew children, we're in the midst of the, the fiery furnace. We can stand true to him. We can worship him. We can invoke his presence. Suddenly, he begins to walk in the midst of that fiery furnace with us. The enemy doesn't know what to do with that. He doesn't relate to that. He doesn't understand. He doesn't speak the language of joy. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. Through, uh, through those who have preached the gospel, through the preaching of the gospel, through the Old Testament prophets, through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven... Things which angels desire to look into. Now, Peter was talking about the gospel, and that's been preached uh, through the prophets and through those in the early church. He, he was telling them that these are things, this gospel of salvation are things that the angels have, have even desired to look into. They're aware of it, but they don't comprehend it. They're trying to look into it. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So not only does principalities and powers look into this mystery of salvation and try to understand it. Not only them, but the rulers of this world, the spirit of this world, the prince of this world, the darkness of this world. It looks at it and it tries to understand. It, 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 it has knowledge of it, but it doesn't completely understand it. Had they understood it, they never would have crucified the Lord and made a way of salvation for you and I. John chapter 8 verse 44. You belong to your father, the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. The devil's very existence is the essence of a lie. He stands on a lie. He speaks the lie. He lives a lie. He is a lie. He has no understanding of living truth. He has knowledge of it. He sees it. But he doesn't understand it. He doesn't comprehend it. The scriptures seem to imply that the prince of this world has knowledge but does not understand god's plan of salvation he may have knowledge of it but there's a difference between knowledge and understanding he may have knowledge of it but he doesn't understand it he doesn't comprehend it that's why i say to you the devil does not speak nor understand the language of joy he doesn't understand you rejoicing and being glad over who god is what god has done for you and your love for him he doesn't understand it he sees it he has knowledge of it but he doesn't comprehend it he doesn't understand it because he is a lie he lives a lie he speaks a lie his very existence is the essence of a lie he doesn't understand it that's why When we step into a moment of sorrow and darkness and we begin to rejoice, we begin to speak the language of joy. It confuses the enemy. It routs the enemy. God releases the ambush angels and he fights our battles for us because we're taking our problems and we're sending them back to God through praise. And we're saying, this is above my pay grade. I can't handle this. God, this is yours. You've got this. That's why last Sunday... I read you the scripture where he said, God will help you to deal with whatever, whenever it comes. But that is contingent on your position of rejoicing. When it comes, whatever, whenever, suddenly I begin to rejoice. Like the three Hebrew children, I begin to rejoice in the fiery furnace. And suddenly I invoke his presence with my praise. I begin to brag on him. I begin to talk about how good God is, how great God is. I begin to reflect on what, uh, you know, what, what God has done for me. I begin to recognize where I would be without him. Appreciation and gratitude. And I get back to my first love. I return. I get back to that passion. And suddenly, it pulls me up above my storm. I'm pushing my problems up with praise. Suddenly, Jesus shows up in my fiery furnace. And he says, don't worry about it. I got this. And I come out without even the smell of smoke. I want you to understand the power of joy. I want you to understand the language of joy. When we get into a situation, if I begin to to speak uh, sorrow and depression and defeat, and and, and I begin to speak the negativity, Satan, I I know he hears that and I believe he understands that. But when I begin to rejoice and I begin to be, be, glad in him and I begin to praise him, he acknowledges it, but he don't understand it. He doesn't comprehend it through the language of joy. We can defeat the spirit of despair and take back the mountain. Now, remember Isaiah 35, 10 said, those that have been ransomed, they know who they are in Christ Jesus. They come back to the mountain with singing. And when they do, rejoicing, they're going to push out sorrow and sighing. They're going to push it out, the spirit of despair. We can take back Zion, the mountain of the Lord, the mountain of government, the mountain of our nation. We can take this back, the kingdom of God. We can take it back. We can take back our city. We can take back our nation. We can take back our people, but we do it through rejoicing. We do it like Israel did, defeating their army with the ambush angels, put the choir up front, put the singing up front, put the praise up front, the rejoicing, get get rejoicing about how great God is. And suddenly the enemy is thrown into confusion and the ambush angels are released to defeat them. We can do this, but we do it through the language of joy. Now, This is something that requires that you and I be intentional and deliberate about. I understand there are some temperaments and personalities that they lean into that a little easier than others. Even myself with my temperament, that has a tendency to want to fix things and bear the burden of the Lord and bear the burden of my people and my community and my nation. Like intercessors, sometimes you bear the burden of the Lord and we have to be careful that we don't internalize it, that we stop taking it. And we roll it off on the Lord. Sometimes for some people, it's hard to speak the language of joy. So you have to be very intentional. You have to be very deliberate. There are times when all of it, as I've said, so much becomes too much. And so I have to put on worship. And I have to begin to listen to worship in my car, in my house, here in the sanctuary. And when I begin to worship him, and I'm reminded of who he is, how great he is, how small my problems are. When I begin to realize, or when I begin to, to recognize what he's done for me, how far he's brought me. When I begin to recognize and remind myself of all the victories I've won in my past, now, how he defeated this one, he defeated that one, he defeated this one. It's like David when you face the Goliath of the pandemic, and the world says, This is too big for you. You just tell the world, as David told Saul, I killed the lion, I killed the bear, don't worry about it. My God's got this one, and I'll take this head off. You see, when you begin to recognize what he's done for you, and you remember all the battles you've won, suddenly. Suddenly, you're, you're rising above your problems. And suddenly, you get back to that first love. When I get along with him in his presence, when I get along with him, you have to remember, there is, a, there is a river whose streams make glad the dwelling place of the Most High. When I get into that dwelling place of the Most High and I begin to drink from the cool waters of his presence, When I begin to drink from that stream of joy, suddenly I rise above this moment and I walk out of this sanctuary. I walk out of my home. I get out of my car and I feel like I can fight another day because of the rejoicing, the joy of the Lord, the language of joy, rejoicing. It's it's drinking from those cool streams that make the city glad. Stephen come help me I understand that we're in a time that is challenging I understand as I mentioned earlier I so often I thought I just wish I could perhaps go to Houston and just get away for the day get away from all the battles that I'm fighting here in Beaumont and just take a break but the problem is, is when I get to Houston, my battles will be waiting on me. Where can you go to escape what we're in right now? Where can, where can you go? Listen, there is a place. There is a place. You have to know that there is a place. And, and you have to know that there is fuel for your soul. There is the fuel of endurance to endure we have to fight a good fight as paul said we have to r- run the race that's set before us and we have to finish this thing we got to finish this thing i wish this was a just a, a sprint 90 days sprint and it's done but it turned out that it wasn't 90 days it looks like it's going to be somewhat of a marathon We've got to run the distance. And so you're trying to catch your second breath. You need some fuel for the endurance. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. He said, we look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze upon Jesus who birthed faith within us, who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation now he sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of god two things in hebrew 12 i want you to notice that number one he looked away from the natural realm he fastened his gaze fastened his gaze the writer said he fastened his gaze on jesus Who birthed faith in him? Focusing on your problem will birth fear. Focusing on God's promise will birth faith. You've got to look away from your problems and you've got to look to Jesus. As we spoke of last Sunday, Peter said, To Jesus who was walking on the Sea of Galilee if that's you let me get out of this boat let me get out of tradition religion let me get out of my comfort zone let me do something I've never done before let me come where you are Jesus said come on and Peter stepped out as long as he he had fixed his eyes on Jesus he was able to rise above his problem but as soon as he lost concentration and he focused on his problem he began to sink And he cried out, Lord, save me. Focusing on your problem will birth fear. Focusing on God's promise will birth faith. And when Peter got his eyes back on Jesus, he began to rise up again above his problem. You have got to look away. Every so often, you've got to take a break, turn the news off. You've got to get away from it, you've got to get along with him you've got to focus your gaze upon him because when you do that faith is birthed and it begins to perfect itself within you the second thing in hebrews 12 i want you to see because his heart was focused on the joy guys put hebrews 12 back up because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his he was able to endure the agony of the cross he was focused on the joy the joy of knowing what what will be yours is the fuel of endurance (laughs) the joy of knowing what will be yours As I mentioned to you just a moment ago, sometimes so much becomes too much. And there had literally been times when I've said to him, I don't know if I can carry much more, but then I get along with him. I get in his presence and I find fuel To endure because he shows me his kingdom he shows me what the future holds he shows me the possibilities of tomorrow of the lives transformed my family my church my city my nation the world he shows me the writer of Hebrews said because Jesus put his heart on the joy of knowing you would be his he was able to endure the cross and then he took his position at the right hand of the father and i'm here this morning to tell you if you'll just look to the joy of tomorrow the great things that god wants to do in you and through you how god is going to use the pandemic to bring a move of god to america how god is going to save your family god's going to move in your church and transform your city if you'll just look to the future the joy of knowing the difference that you can make you'll find fuel to endure and i promise you you will take your place in god's kingdom your kingdom who you are in Christ, what God wants to do in you and through you, your kingdom awaits you. But you've got to hold on. You've got to fight a good fight, run the race and finish the course. And the only way you can do that is with the fuel of endurance, which is joy. Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, Randy, there are streams of joy that are making their way to the people of God. I want to encourage you to do what the scripture said. Our text this morning in Psalms 46, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place. It's in the holy place where the most high dwells. When so much becomes too much, you got to find your way to the holy place where He dwells. And there in that place, you'll find a stream. A stream that you can kneel down and drink from. A stream that will give you the fuel of endurance. A stream that brings to you joy. A stream that will give you the language of joy, a stream that will make you glad, a stream where you can rise up and you'll find the strength to endure another day, a stream that makes glad. I know that there are many of you that are watching online, perhaps in Beaumont, perhaps in Texas, in the nation, perhaps outside the nation. But there are many people today who have said, I can't take anymore. So much has become too much. The spirit of despair has landed down on on top of them. And if if, if you're that person today, I I want you to listen to me. If you want something you've never had, you've got to do something you've never done. And and so I I know what I'm getting ready to ask you may be a little uncomfortable for some people. But if you're that person that's fighting the spirit of despair, I want to encourage you there in your living room to take what you you, you may have a a couch throw. You keep a blanket there on your couch. If you don't have one on your couch, on your chair, your easy chair, then Perhaps you could run into your bedroom and grab a blanket out of the closet, grab a blanket, grab a throw. I, I, want you to, I want you to take it this morning and I want you to wrap it around you. Now, the reason I'm going to ask you to do this is because Isaiah chapter 61 verses 1 and 3 reads, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has given me the oil of joy for for mourning and the garment of praise for heaviness. I I want you to take take this garment of praise, okay? I want you to take some oil. If you've got some oil, the, the oil of joy. And if you're fighting the spirit of despair as an individual, I want you to anoint your head with oil and I want you to... Wrap that couch throw around you. I want you to wrap it around you as the garment of praise. Now, this is just symbolism. As the oil is symbolic of his presence and the anointing, this couch throw is symbolic, symbolic of the garment of praise. You may have a prayer shawl that you can grab. Understand in the Hebrew there, the word garment can also be translated, translated mantle. So there is a mantle of praise that could come upon you. And so this morning, you're gonna anoint your head with oil. You're gonna put on the garment of praise, okay? Now, you may, if you're comfortable with this, you may bring your spouse into this wrap with you. You may bring your children, sir, as the priest of your home, perhaps you take that couch throw and you you bring your babies and you bring them around you and you wrap them around you and you stand there and you anoint your family with oil. You wrap that garment of praise around them. And, and we're going to sing. And, and, and while we do, I'm, I'm doing this because I want to believe that God's going to release the spirit of joy upon your family acts chapter 2 verse 28 reads you have made known to me the path of life you will fill me with joy and your presence and i'm declaring that in this moment god's going to reveal to you the path of life for your family you're going to figure out how to get through these next months of, of of pandemic and the election and the rioting and crisis and storms and difficulties God's going to give you revelatory knowledge. He's going to show you the pathway of life. How do I negotiate through this with my family? And the second thing, I just believe that God's going to fill your family with joy. So I want you to anoint your head. I want you to anoint your family. I want you to wrap that throw around you and around your family. Bring them babies around you and, and, and put this thing around them and just declare with me that God... That God's going to release the language of joy. God's going to release rejoicing in your home. And from here on out, when despair tries to return, you're going to say no. And you're going to begin to rejoice in him, reflecting, recognizing, and returning to your first love. And the spirit of joy is going to come upon you. Thank you for listening to the One City Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit onecity.church.